welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. As we all know, this time we live in is a time of science and global media and disability activism, respect, tolerance, sometimes, in some places, amongst some people, hopefully. My guest today blends all of the above together in her life and by bringing her message to us and all the other platforms she's appearing on. I had a career in facility care, so I often forget that I have a broader awareness of many health issues, not a lot of knowledge necessarily, but certainly awareness more than many people in the general public. When I came across Patty's profile on Podmatch, and I've mentioned Podmatch before, It's a platform that matches podcast hosts and potential guests and vice versa. (laughs) When I came across Patty's profile, I realized that I had met many people with many different issues, but all at their later stages with those issues. It was facility care. These people could no longer manage their ADLs at home. Sorry, ADLs are the activities of daily living, even with supports in place. Patty seems to be not only managing, she seems to be flourishing. Patty was diagnosed 32 years ago and has made it her life mission. And Patty, correct me if I'm over or understating anything here, to educate, to motivate, to support understanding of MS and the people who live with it. Most of us know MS to mean multiple sclerosis. Apparently, Patty defines MS as mindset shift. Patty Bevelacqua, thank you, and welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for having me uh, as a guest and to help get my message out. Yeah. And you, you, you hit on something really important, and that is the mindset. You know, it took me a while to get there, but it's been well worth the journey, Agnes. Yeah. So if I can help anybody uh, shorten that time span, I'm there. Great. My listeners know that I always come with a set of questions. So hopefully we're going to suss all that out as we go through here. Um, If you don't mind, could we start at the beginning? You were living your life. You were teaching high school PE. What was happening to your body that led to the diagnosis of MS? Mm-hmm. I started teaching PE in September 1989, and it was the perfect job. And in February 1990, I woke up one morning with double vision in one eye and, you know, thought it was the Sandman and uh, didn't get any better. And uh, those were the days when you could phone your GP and actually get in on the same day. So I did go see my GP 
And she said the best thing ever. You know what, Patty? Your optic nerve is inflamed. But I don't really know a lot about this. Actually, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to send you to somebody who does. So from there, I went to an ophthalmologist who then sent me for an MRI. The results came back to my GP. And by the end of March, I'm at the UBC MS clinic meeting my neurologist. And the diagnosis was MS. I still have double vision but I have a prism in my eyeglass lens that helps me to, to be able to see well, better. And nothing, nothing for about five years taught PE. I had a couple of little things, but nothing. And then uh, got quite sick and uh, Paul was teaching and he didn't want me to stay at home alone. So he drove me to my parents and I stayed there for about seven months. And out of the blue, I got this phone call from another principal at a school in the district offering me a job to teach social studies. And oh my God, I was still gonna teach. Oh, it was great. So he said, when can I expect you? He said, I'll see you in three weeks, right? I was just so keen. I was super excited to, to do that but it wasn't where I wanted to be. And as I was teaching social studies, I'd look out my window and I'd see kids with white socks and shorts on and balls. And it, it, it just wasn't the same. And so in June, 2001, I, I left the job and went back to university. And, uh, and that was it. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about MS? I mean, I think so many people are aware of the words, but don't really have a good understanding of it. Right. So MS attacks the brain and spinal cord. And a message will start in the brain, for example, take a step with your right foot. And what MS is, is there is either a break and the message doesn't get through or there's a plaque buildup around the nerve, so it's delayed. And depending where the lesions are in your body, brain, spinal cord, really helps determine whether you're going to be more physically disabled than you are cognitively. So I tell people the thing I miss the most is riding a two-wheel bike. My life is, is very good with MS. Very, very good. And, um, you know, I can pretty much do everything I want. I still drive. I still have a beer every now and then and a greasy hamburger and I walk the dogs. But as I get older, I'm finding a few more challenges. My balance is worse. So um, I'm going to be heading for an MRI in March and make a comparison to see if any more lesions have developed. And these lesions will eventually build up plaque. And that's the, when the response, the nerve response is delayed. And uh, that's pretty much it. it very interesting um, with all the millions of dollars in MS research, 
They still do not know what causes it. I have a, a cousin, her mom and my mom are sisters. She was born and raised on the farm. I was in Sparwood an hour away. Six years after I was diagnosed with MS, she was. We both lived kind of in a mining community. Agnes, she is adopted. So we have no link, right? And, you know, I hear stories like that all the time. You know, it, it's everywhere. Now, I, I did read something recently that apparently it's like way more common in Canada than most other countries. Do you know Canada has one of the highest incidents of MS? And Agnes, out of every four people who are diagnosed with MS in Canada, three are women. Let me answer a question I have for you later. <laughs> now, I also just recently read something about, and if we're, if we're going down a research path that you don't want to go down, that's okay. But recently linking MS with Epstein-Barr and mononucleosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a pretty recent development out of the University of Saskatchewan. And I think they're in the works of uh, getting a clinical trial put together. Stem cells, you know, has also been another one. Canada has not really been too involved, but, you know, I'm very hopeful, very hopeful. Five years ago, I took part in a research trial at UBC, and it was an injection every six months. And after my first one, I could have ran a marathon. I was so amazed. Second in infusion, great. Then I get a letter saying the results are not enough to warrant the, the study to continue. I'm like, what? Again, Agnes, I was on the placebo. So mind over matter, right? I got something that's going to make me a superstar. You know, and Pablo's like, wow, you're on fire. And I'm like, yeah, maybe this is it, right? And then it's canceled and I'm on the placebo. So, so much learning, right? It's pretty amazing, like just the whole thing. And But I guess... The, the more they learn in any area of it, you know, hopefully at some point in time, if they can make some real strong linkages, you're closer to some sort of even just medication, if not cure. Sure. And I think, you know, there will be some kind of link, you know, that'll also help in Alzheimer's and muscular dystrophy and a lot of the chronic autoimmune diseases as well and you know we'll see where this goes maybe not in my lifetime but I'm hopeful just get back to you now you were young like how how did you deal with a diagnosis of MS it typical me I find out what I have and then I spend tons of time at the library up at SFU and I learn and I read and I make an appointment to go to the MS clinic in Vancouver or MS society in Vancouver. And I come out with a box of resources, right? And knowledge is power. And I've always believed that, you know, it's, it's planting a seed, right? And so, you know, Paul said to me, do you know why you have MS? And I'm like, no. Well, I'll tell you, 
you were so great in your previous life that the spirit had to give you a challenge this time around. And that stuck to me like blue. Mm. And that was in my first year of teaching. So you're living your life with so much positivity right now. Is that who you always were? Or are we now getting into MS, the mindset shift? I would say I've always been enthusiastic and optimistic and, you know, actively involved. You know, when I went to UBC, I was on every committee and, you know, just, you know, had a great time. But I also know I was very, very emotional and it didn't take a lot to make me cry. That has changed. And I learned a huge lesson. And that is when I get upset or hurt or angry or grieving and I get bent out of shape, the only person who it hurts is me. So let it go. Let it go and move on. And I live moment by moment now, and it serves me very well. Everywhere I looked in researching our chat today, there were words of optimism, uh, buoyancy, advocacy. On your homepage, it says, begin each day as your best self. If, for whatever reason, this doesn't last the entire day, do not quit because there is always tomorrow. And tomorrow brings a new day and new possibilities. I know a lot of people who could do with that reminder who do not face any physical compromise whatsoever. And as I was thinking about physical compromise, MS means physical compromise sooner or later. But what about emotional, um, mental wellness for people with MS? And I realize everybody's different. But mm-hmm. could you speak to that? Mm-hmm. There are seven emotions that people go through when they lose something. You know, it starts with denial and it ends with acceptance. And in between is grieving and putting it way out there and blaming something else. And I think the biggest lesson I learned is I had every right to experience those emotions. And and I expected to be upbeat and gung-ho or whatever. But you know what? Going through those emotions was part of the, the deal, right? And you can read a lot about that stuff, Agnes, but... You really do have to live through it. And I never kept a journal and I, you know, I didn't do any, I say weird stuff, but it's, you know, like new age stuff and trusting the universe. And I just, just went on my merry way. And when I was at the University of Toronto at, uh, doing my PhD, I took a course and I presented my teacher identity before MS and after MS. And the three biggest things out of that presentation was, Patty, time to let go of your illness story. Let it go. I'm not saying it's not important. You just don't have to live it every day. Number two, you have every right to feel whatever emotion you want to. Number three, Live in the moment and look forward to a future because you do have a future. You will be the author of that script. 
And that was important as well. And I'm very blessed to have so many of those moments along the way. I wish they would have happened 15 years ago, right? And, uh, but, you know, I am where I am today because of what's happened. So that's planted. What is it? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I take it over the years, you've met a whole bunch of people with MS or supporting people with MS. This is sort of one of those strange, strange connections here. But given the fact that you felt like a million bucks, shall we say, um, on what turned out to be a placebo, do you think that your mindset now, this this positivity, this you know, every day is a new day and I've got to live my life and all that. Do you think that's helping keep you going for so long in such good health? It's part of it. I, I have always been active and used to go to the gym and do a whole bunch of things. Now I walk my two Labradors every single day. And I think that has been a big part of it making good choices, listening to my body. When I'm tired, take a break. When I want a beer, have a beer. Not 20 beer like I used to, (laughs) but a beer is fine or two, right? So I think it's just making good decisions and realizing at that one moment somewhere, I learned that the only one that's really not doing well when I get bent out of shape is me and I think that's where I was sort of going because you hear about those people with any health issue and you know if it's a serious one they sort of go oh my life is over and they do deteriorate really quickly whereas you know if Mm -hmm. they could take an attitude like yours maybe they could extend their life considerably yeah my dad and lots of people I know will call me stubborn and I wear that as a badge of honor (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm with you there. Can I throw some random questions at you? Absolutely. Okay. Firstly, and and I will remind everyone listening that I have a podcast called Two Boomer Women. So this is a question with no ulterior motives, and I think you've already addressed it. Your community is women. I was going to ask if there's a reason, but I take it it's because, did you say four out of five or three out of four? Three out of four are women in Canada, yeah. The farther away you get from the equator, the higher the rate of MS is. And Canada and I believe it's Norway are two countries where it's quite prevalent. Yeah. Women also, because a lot of women that I've met over the years, they have a tender heart and they feel like they're alone. And I can't, I can't say I've met a man who, who feels that way. I've met, you know, men who have MS and I haven't really met anyone that has not been able to, you know, I want to say embrace it, but that's the wrong word, but at least uh, manage it. But I find women tend to be a bit more isolated than the men. And, and that, you know, that was my focus. And then I opened it up to women who care for somebody with MS. And there are actually two men in the group. Uh, one is his wife has it. 
The other one is he has it and his wife joined under her name for him. And, you know, I play with it all the time, but my community on Facebook is uh, a great group of ladies. You know, we have great senses of humor. We all have super capes that we will put on whenever we need to activate our superpower. And some women, I never hear anything from them, but then I'll get a message that says, you know, I read your last post. I never comment or react, but I always read them. And you know what? That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's the silent yeah. strength where you get that silent strength from sometimes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell us about your community. Is it just on Facebook? And how did you grow it? I, I, after I graduated from University of Toronto, my goal was to get a job as a teacher educator and teach young people to become PE teachers. And I took a one-year position at a college in Upper New York State that was phenomenal. I applied for the continuing job, but I didn't teach statistics which is fine. So I decided I'm going to apply and would get a phone call and invited to campus for an interview. So I was flying to these places I had never been to. And I thought, you know what? I don't care if I don't get a job. Look at my life, right? And after the sixth, no, you didn't get the job. I wasn't a happy camper. So for the next seven years, I searched and searched and searched. And I volunteered in the community. I did a whole bunch of things. Nothing made me feel like I I was making a difference. And so I took a two-week challenge on creating a Facebook community. And I did it. And it just grew from there. So I also have an Instagram account that's called Fearless with MS. I'm not a social media guru, and it can take up a lot of your time, right? So, you know, I'm I'm just trying to balance that. I have a couple of ladies in the group who are, they are little patties, like, right? They're just like me. And so I feel really comfortable that they have stepped up, you know, and, and uh, I don't have to be on there all the time. I have applied for 48 TEDx talks. I want to hit the TEDx stage. And I was asked to write a chapter in a book called Absolute Will. And I'm one of 24 women from seven continents and stories about challenge in your life, but coming out at the end as with a meaningful life and making a difference. And my chapter is called MS stands for mindset shift. The publisher has decided that she wants to make absolute a series. So her next book in the series is absolute vision. And she put a call out and I sent my idea and I just found out the other day that I will be writing a chapter for that book as well. So, uh, yeah, it all is good. Agnes, all is good. And every day is something 
fun, cool, exciting, right? Well, and the one thing I've learned about, and I've had two thoughts here is, but first of all, Every, anything I've learned about social media is it's not the size of the group so much as the interaction and, and how people, you know, participate in that group um, and the quality over quantity, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And second of all, you just stole my thunder because I was going to say, what's absolute will? <laughs> but you've told our listeners, so that's great. Okay, so we know now what absolute will is. Tell us about Trooper his education, and how he helps you, please. Yes. So Paula and I, for the last six years, except the last two years, have been going to Arizona for the winters. And it's flat. And having seen the sun every day is so good for the soul. It doesn't have to be super warm, but just to see it. And there is a place, it's a nonprofit organization that is accredited by the American Kennel Club and they teach people and their dogs to work together as service dogs, $10 a lesson. Holy crow. Right? So I decide, I don't know where I'm going to be in three years, five years, 10 years. So I'm going to do this. And I took Trooper and Paul took Bella to the first class, which was basic obedience. Bella, she was great, except when she sat and then laid down, she'd roll over and want her tummy rubbed in. So the instructor said, "Ah." but we weren't doing it for her. Trooper is a trooper. He reads me so well. We'll go for a walk and I don't know where he is. And I look down and he's beside me because maybe he senses I'm tired or my gait has changed. He has been taught how to stand. When I fall, I fall lots. So I will use him as my platform to stand up. And had we've continued, he was going to learn to be my mayday dog, which is if I got in a situation where I really needed somebody, I could yell mayday and he would find the first person and be relentless to get them to me. So to make up for that, I I folded up a watch with uh, fall detection. And thank goodness, um, I haven't had to use it yet. But Trooper is my, I'm his number one fan, and he is mine. Oh, that's amazing. Now, many years ago, because I'm going back into like my career in, in elder care, Uh, facility care. I remember hearing about some dogs that were being trained, as you mentioned at the very beginning, sometimes the signal will be in the brain, but it won't get to the extremity and how a dog might just put his paw, his or her paw on your foot, for example, to help sort of that that Mm -hmm. signal get through. Is that the right, what I'm talking about here? Am I right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I met a man in that program. He is diabetic. And his dog can tell when his sugars are out of whack. It's amazing. When I taught at the college in New York, one of the catchment areas were kids whose parents, English was not the first language. So when the kids went home to read, their parents didn't, couldn't help them. So this school started a Read to Labrador program. And I'd walk in the room and there'd be these yellow labs 
and they'd be attentive and this kid would just be reading great guns, right? And I think that's the nature of the lab, right? They just want to be by people and they want to be loved. And, you know, they, he makes me smile every day. And I think all animals have a special something somewhere. And I don't need to find out why or where. I just know that, um, you know, he's got my back. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's reassuring for both you and Paul. You know, like if the trooper's with you and you're out for a walk or something, you got to. So the funny, yeah, before we got trooper and Bella, uh, we had another dog. And during the NFL season, I'd go for a walk in the winter and I'd fall. And. I had no way to get a hold of Paul and we tell people he wouldn't come and look for me till it was halftime. <laughs> right. And so we figured we, we had to do something, you know, so. Oh dear. <laughs> I hope Paul doesn't listen to this. No, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. What's on the agenda for the next five years of your life? Yeah, I am going to take, the world by storm on the stage. I am going, my name, Patty Bevilacqua, is going to always be followed by the words MS influencer. And um, my calendar is going to be chock full with things that I want to do. And what I want to do is just get the message out. And if I can, if I can plant a seed, uh, right. I'd be happy. I don't want to start a business. I don't want to become rich. I just want to serve others with MS. That's really, really what I want to do. Yeah. And somewhere in there is the Nobel Peace Prize for women, but I'll figure that out. <laughs> One thing at a time. <laughs> um, what, what's the very next thing? Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, my 93-year-old dad just passed away, but it's all okay. We knew it would, he was ready, and he went in the hospital at 3, and he had passed away by 10. And he's holding hands with my mom somewhere. So right now it's getting there to clean up the house, so it's completely different focus. But I have to do it to be able to get back on this. And then once I get back from doing that, I'm going to really push the public speaking part of it. And I'm going to be creating a website called Fearless with MS. And I'm creating a membership part of it where people can sign up and just learn, 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 get tons of resources. We're going to build MS toolbox and every week I'm going to give them a tool. They can decide whether or not they want to keep it. Yeah. You're amazing. What, what it's, <laughs> well, I'm just thinking too, that, you know, like as, as difficult as it'll be dealing with your parents' home, there's something nice about that. Those walks down memory lane, even there's, there's some tears shed you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have two sisters and a brother and, you know, my sisters live where my mom and dad did. So whenever I went home, I always saw them. My brother lives on the Island. He teaches in Qualcomm beach. 
we don't see each other as much. So I, I know arriving there is going to be extremely emotional, but it'll be so awesome to do this as a family unit. And there are places in that house that we have not, I, I forgot they existed. And Agnes, my bedroom is exactly the same as the day I left in 1984. Oh, so I have a picture of Wayne Gretzky and my medal from track and field, you know, so open up the closet. My sister found my brown uniform with all my badges, right? So, you know, it's going to be okay. It's really going to be okay. Yeah. I still have my brown uniform too. <laughs> I'm waiting for my granddaughters to get big enough to, to wear it Halloween oh, or yeah. something. Cause it's totally different Absolutely. than the uniforms now. So. I know. I don't even think I'd be able to get it over one leg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Totally unrelated. And you're going to have to help me pronounce yes. this. Michelle Mitchell. You were born in a town that no longer exists. Oh, oh my God, Michelle, Michelle Nattel okay. and Middle Michelle Nattel in Middletown. Oh, oh, yeah, I check into things. <laughs> oh, you know what? It is. It's a magical place. It was uh, primarily immigrants, and huge coal deposits were found. So they moved everybody three miles up the road to Sparwood and it's a huge, huge mining area. Growing up, everybody's mom was my mom. My grad class was 54 and 38 of us had gone to school together since kindergarten. I'm still waiting for them to change the name from Sparwood to Pattyville because I am their biggest fan. When they created or built a new high school and they got rid of the old one. The uh, secretary pulled my dad and said, you know, Patty played every single sport. I have saved her a piece of the gym floor. <laughs> so I have, you know, uh, uh, I have a group on Facebook called Growing Up in Sparwood, BC, and we have over 2,000 members, and it's a walk down memory lane every single day. It is magic. This place is magic. Uh, so these three, were they like three villages then? That Yeah, so. Michelle on one end, Nutella at the other, and Middletown in between, and at the height of it, they had seven bars and two curling rinks and four theaters. And, you know, it was really a thriving community. Majority of the men worked at the mine. Majority of the women were at home. You know, uh, uh, it, 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 it's kind of sad in one way, but it's, it's so cool to have something that's really special in, in your oh, life. Oh, Absolutely. And what's really funny is, no word of a lie, Agnes, wherever, whenever we go somewhere, we meet someone who's connected to Sparwood. And oh. Paul thinks I plant it. <laughs> I plant it, right? You knew something, right? And it's just, it's, it's like getting a hug all the time. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's amazing. Amazing. It's interesting to me how, and I say that about Victoria here, that, you know, in some communities that six degrees of separation is only 
one or two. You know, and it's uh, and it's so neat when it yeah. when it happens. It uh, it is. Um, a man was building a house in Sparwood, and he fell and died. And my mom and dad took it over, and my dad finished house. And you know, fourteen years later, I'm in Maple Ridge, and I meet the guy's son. Oh my goodness! Right, and it's just like. We had a Michelle Natal reunion one year, and my parents' door was open, <laughs> and people came and go and just cried and cried and cried. It, it was just amazing. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Okay, back to the subject at hand. I'm gonna this, I'm, I have to read this because uh, it's a direct uh, question from your profile. Why do you believe disabled people can change the world into a happier and more respectful place? Absolutely. People with disabilities are change makers. People with a disability have another sense about them. And very often judged unfairly, I, I believe, and often thought to be stupid or you know whatever the case may be and i just think if we could get to the place where we respect each other and learn from each other our world would be more joyful respectful value inclusion and you know i was going to title my ted ted talk uh disabled people serve no purpose in society right (laughs) And then just kind of take the opposite stance. And I, Agnes, I believe that in so many other things as well. Our world is so complicated. And could you just imagine if every single person, if people woke up every morning as their best self? Could you imagine, right? And then if it doesn't pan out, let it go because there's tomorrow. That that in itself would be huge. And I think in my experience, many people who have a physical or mental disability uh, who have lived who are living a good life have gotten to the same place as me. They let it go and move on. And I I think we we all could learn so much from each other. Yeah. yeah, going back to that quote on your website, just, you know, if we could, all of us could start each day determined to be our best mm-hmm. selves or have that very best day. And yeah, we may not make mm-hmm. it till bedtime, but to know that tomorrow we can start again and maybe somewhere in there with any luck, there's some muscle memory and uh, it becomes. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. You know, I, I never know what my day is going to hold for me. You know, I, I. I have every intention of having a great day from start to finish. And sometimes the fatigue just shows up that I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to see him that day. And, uh, you know, so I'll have to lay down or not go on a walk, you know, in the afternoon or whatever. And I think it's important that I make that mental choice to do that every morning. And, you know, let it go because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So, and, you know, one thing that I will share with you is 
if they found a cure for MS, Agnes, I don't want it because I love who I am. So I tell people in the beginning, I was a good person and I liked who I was. Today, I am a fantastic person and I love who I am because I live with MS every day. And I don't want to lose that. I do not want to lose that. Well, and right now I'm thinking, I'm just going to say to our listeners, put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) That's great. So in my intro, I said, what did I say? Respect tolerance sometimes in some places amongst some people, hopefully. But it sounds like by the time you retire it, by the time you retire, I'll be removing all of those little qualifiers. That's the plan. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the plan. You know, you know, I've had I've had police show up at my door because the bartender phoned them and said I was drunk. And then when they see me walk and they they say, Oh, you have been drinking and I'm like, I have MS. They the one guy, his face just went white, right? Oh my God. You know, and I wasn't upset or mad. Paul was more bent out of shape than I was. But that then started conversation, right? So I said to him, so I don't think you feel very good right now. So take your experience to your colleagues, right? And share that piece of information, not just for people with MS, but don't ever, you know, unless you ask, don't judge. What gives you, you know, I w- Paul went to the, the pub and said, you know, all he had to do was ask. Well, you were drinking. Yeah, but don't you remember that you took Patty, like, four club sodas? Like, you know? I've actually heard that before, that people with MS are often mistaken as drunk. Yeah. And so my husband says, I love going out with Patty. She is the cheapest date I've ever had. Well, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. You should see what's in my closet. Okay, I've tried to prepare for a subject I know very little about. What haven't I asked you about MS or your mission that's important for people to know? MS is unpredictable and uncertain. The name of the disease is the same for everybody, but how it manifests is very, very different. The biggest takeaway, you are not alone. You are not alone. And, you know, reach out, you know, even even if it's just, you know, somebody at the place you go for a coffee that you may not know, you know, sometimes a stranger is exactly who you need to just have it rebound off. But you are not alone. You are not, 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 not alone. So my Facebook group is MS Stands for Mindset Shift. My website will be Fearless with MS. And learn how to spell my last name because you're going to start seeing it all over the place. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm just going to, you know, follow up with that one thought that you had there, too, is that with 
each individual person having their own personal version of MS is, I, I presume that part of that mind shift, mindset thing is that you don't look at someone else and say, oh, like, you know, if someone's further advanced or something, like you don't just sort of jump into that, oh my God, my life is over kind of thing. So, Right. And, and I did that, right? Oh my God, who is going to look? I don't have any children. I, I, and not because I have MS. I knew at a very young age that I didn't have a maternal bone in my body and that's okay. So it's like, who's going to look after me when I get really sick? Not who's going to look after me if I get really sick. So, you know, I've met people who in six months were in a wheelchair and have really been hit hard and struggled a lot. And uh, I was at a, a conference and, you know, you sit beside someone and you have an index card on your table. And the question was, what is the one thing you miss right now in your life that you can't do anymore because you have MS? So I wrote down, ride a bike. You had to turn to the person and she asked me and I said, ride a two-wheel bike. I said, how about you? And she said, stand. And she saw the look on my face and she said, uh-uh-uh, we're being honest here. We're being authentic here. And that's my answer. And yours is not any less important. We're different. You know, and, and that was a lesson to be learned, right? Is you can't, I can't, you know, think what I'm missing uh, is more important than anybody else, nor can I have anyone think that my life is, oh, you, you have, you have a, such a minor form of MS, God, your life, you're lucky. There's, you know, there's too much to unpack there. Right. Like to be a PE teacher and be diagnosed with MS, you know, give me diabetes, cut my arm off, you know, but really. And. Uh, you know, I was going to teach PE until I retired and, you know, I in 10 years, you know, I was done with teaching completely and that makes you. Be pretty honest. I'm going to be bold enough to maybe say that you are still teaching PE and it's got something to do with personal excellence. Absolutely. Right. Agnes, you are now on the top of my Christmas. I was going to use that line on you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, you're right. I gave a, a, a talk at Dalhousie University when I was doing my PhD and I broke down in tears. I couldn't finish it, but I, I don't just stand. I walk around and I move and I'm very animated. And when I couldn't finish, a couple of the ladies said, you know, it's like you were teaching PE. You were very active, right? Wow. You know, yeah. So old habits die hard. (laughs) absolutely absolutely okay you do currently have a website yeah it's 
it's it's pattyk.com it it's it's not what i what i wanted and i tried to make it i tried to do it all myself forget it so this time around i'm working with uh, somebody who's very uh, good at that and super excited about that so right now if you go there you can listen to a few of my podcasts and you know well, you, you may be disappointed with it, but I quite enjoyed it, and I will still encourage our listeners to to go check it out. And listeners, you know the links, and I'm going to find out what your Instagram is and and link that as well. The links will be in the show notes. Yes, we will learn how to spell Bevilacqua. Right, and please put my email. It's patty p a t t i at pattyk.com, and. Anybody out there, if you just want to say hello and hear my best joke, bring it on, <laughs> right? Let's do it. The joke so of the day. please put my, yeah, put my, uh, just like a person with MS walked into a bar and a table and a chair and the wall, right? That's one of our, our favorite ones. So, so are they yeah. all groaners? Please. Come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So please put that and anybody who just wants to say hello, please. Say oh, hello. that's great. Okay, so links all in the show notes. That's great. If you want to learn more about Patty and her mission, if you have MS or, or are supporting a loved one with MS, check out the website, the links. If you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening or at twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Feel free to leave stars as they help us grow. Hit the subscribe or follow button before you go, and then you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. Uh, If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website too. Patty Bevilacqua, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today. I am honored and thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, this is this is how we do it, right? One day at a time and, uh, you know, honest and, uh, yeah, thank you. You rock. One TEDx talk at a time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I will let you know when mine gets done and published or uh, put on YouTube because then, yeah. You can get all your listeners to, oh, man. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> your, your excitement and enthusiasm is just so contagious. I'm going to go out and conquer the world today. <laughs> there girl. we go. I'll meet you on the ferry. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> Have a great rest of week. You as well. Take care of everyone out there. Hugs to everybody. Bye-bye.